Welcome to the IndyCar Conference Call. My name is Richard, and I'll be your operator for today's call. At this time, all participants are in a listen-only mode. Later, we will conduct a question-and-answer session. During the question-and-answer session, if you have a question, please press star, then 1, on your touchtone phone. Please note that this conference is being recorded. I'm now turn the call over to Arnie Schreiben. Arnie, you may begin. Thank you, Richard, and uh, welcome, everybody, to today's IndyCar Media Teleconference. Our guest today will play a key role in this weekend's Verizon IndyCar Series Championship deciding Go Pro Grand Prix of Sonoma at Sonoma Raceway. Joining us first is Mike Hole, Managing Director of Chip Ganassi Racing, and a little later on in the call we'll be joined by Tim Sindrick, President of Team Penske. But first we'll start with Mike Hole. Mike, as I mentioned, is the Managing Director of Chip Ganassi Racing, which fields entries for four-time Verizon IndyCar Series champion Scott Dixon, Tony Kanaan, Charlie Kimball, and Max Chilton. Dixon trails Joseph Newgarden by three points entering this weekend's race. Since Mike joined the team in 1996, he has overseen the organization's 11 IndyCar titles, four in Champ Car with Jimmy Vassar, Alex Zanardi, and Juan Pablo Montoya, and seven in the Verizon IndyCar Series with Scott Dixon and Dario Franchitti. Mike's also the race strategist for uh, Scott Dixon's number nine car. Mike, thanks for taking the time to join us and uh, what has to be a very busy week for you. Uh, yeah, it's been busy. It's, uh, it's good. You know, it's good to be working, uh, working to be getting ready for Sonoma. And I actually started working for Chip in 1992. Uh, so, uh, uh, it's been a long time with Chip. It's been wonderful. All right. I read earlier today that Scott says he's not approaching this race any different than the other 16 races, uh, that have happened this season. Is that the approach you kind of preach to the entire team, knowing, well, what's on the line on Sunday? I think, when you've won as many races as Scott has won and championships and big races that, uh, he's learned to, to exhale. And, uh, and, and I think he, he's, he's the kind of person that works hard for getting the best results from today. Uh, so yeah, there's a lot of gravity going on here, uh, when we race at Sonoma and it is going to be different. But we approach the way that we uh, prepare and how we race in the same manner that we have with Scott for a long, long time. All right. I know uh, you've been part of the, these calls that we have with the uh, race strategists before the uh, championship event, and I've asked this question of you a number of times over the years. But it always seems like it's Chip Ganassi Racing and Team Penske in this position at this time of the year. So what is it about your organization at Chip Ganassi Racing that keeps putting drivers in position to win the IndyCar title? I think we try to win every day. And uh, when you add all those wins up, and I'm talking about what we do in the building, uh, what we do at the racetrack, uh, what we do with our partners. Um, it's the whole thing. It's the culture of who we are. Um, and, uh, uh, and and I think what winning organizations, sport organizations do, and it's not just in motorsports. I think it's any sporting organization that you see. Uh, they work to find new ways to win because the competition, what they do is they, in order to beat you, they normally have to copy you first. And, uh, and you have to be very, very cognizant of that as a team, as, a, as an organization. And you have to find new ways to keep everybody engaged in the process, uh, in this case, at Chippenassi Racing. Uh, so I, I think it's important to, uh, be prepared uh, to come back to the building like we do and realize, seriously, there could be the last race we ever won unless we find a new way to win. Uh, so I think that's how we look at it. All right. And finally, 
Uh, Scott is the longest tenured driver at Chip Ganassi Racing, and a win for him would put him in some rarefied company uh, with five championships. Only uh, A.J. Foyt uh, had one, has one more. Uh, if he was able to come up with his third title in the last five years, where do you think that would rank him in terms of the championship drivers you've worked with? <laughs> I, I think that the way you need to look at race drivers is how they raced against their peer group at the time they raced. Uh, I don't know that it's a fair comparison necessarily to uh, uh, to, to compare Scott Dixon to Dario or to Alex Zanardi or Jimmy Vassar or Juan Montoya or any other champion that we've run at our race team. I, I think it's more important to... To, to look at how he's done lineage-wise for the number of years, or in this case, maybe the decades that he's raced, or will be decades of IndyCar racing, and who he raced against, and, and how, how he compared to those drivers. And if you do that, and you look at his winning record, uh, and how he's won races, and how he's represented himself, that stands him apart. And I think that stands him in equal presence to the people that he's... Uh, starting to pass on that list uh, because that's what those drivers did while they were racing Indy cars. They conducted themselves in the same way that Scott's now doing that. And, uh, and I think he will go down as one of the best of all time. Uh, from a comparative standpoint. <laughs> all right. Thanks, Mike. Uh, Richard, let's open up for questions for Michael. Thank you. We will now begin the question and answer session. If you have a question, please press star, then one, on your touchtone phone. If you wish to be removed from the queue, please press the pound sign or the hash key. Our first question online comes from Bruce Martin from Auto Week Magazine. Please go ahead. Hi, Mike. How are you? Fine, Bruce. Uh, now, I realize how professional a team Penske Racing is, and they've got four drivers going for the championship. You've got one. A lot of people try to make a case out of that being a big disadvantage because Scott doesn't really have uh, any wingmen uh, to sort of speak of. What is it when you're racing against the numbers like that that you're looking at? I, I'm not going to say that Penske's drivers aren't going to do anything over the line, but is it situations where maybe they drive Scott a little bit deeper into the corner than they normally would? What are the things that concern you when you're going up against a team with Four drivers to year one. Um, it's a good question, Bruce. Um, and certainly we think about it. Uh, but I, I think we race our race, and we have good teammates here at Chukanesi Racing, and uh, they pull for each other. And, uh, and they race clean. And they race fair. Um, and, uh, and I think at the end of the day, that's how you're judged. Um, and, and, I, and I would hope that everybody that races in this race can be judged uh, uh, as, as a result of racing in a, in a very fair and uh, 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 a manner that's uh, driven by integrity. And also, if you go back to the 2015 playbook in the final race where you where Scott won the championship that day after Juan Pablo Montoya had led it after every race that season. Do you pretty much use the same playbook? Go for the pole, lead the most laps, win the win the race. <laughs> well, certainly the easiest way to win the win the championship is to win the race. Uh, but I, I think that you you accept what's 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 given to you on on 
in this case on on race day at Sonoma, uh, and uh, we're going to race to win. And if we can't win, we're going to finish second. If we can't finish second, we're going to finish third. And uh, that's how we've always raced here, and uh, we're going to just stay after it. Okay, thanks a lot, and good luck. Thank you very much, Bruce. See you soon. Thank you. Again, for any questions at star than one on your touchstone phone, we also request that you ask one question and one follow-up only. Our next question comes from David Caldwell from New York Times. Please go ahead. Hi. Um, I was wondering if you could give me a little scouting report on Joseph Newgarden. What does he, what's he done this year, and what do you, what do you sort of think of him as a driver? <laughs> I, I, I have a lot of respect for him, number one. Um, and uh, I think what he represents is the generation that's coming next in IndyCar racing. There's a great young generation of drivers that are coming along in IndyCar racing that are are going to set themselves apart as they go through their career and uh, uh, or respective careers. He's he's got amazing ability. He's got uh, a great mind. Uh, he thinks his way through. Uh, he. Uh, he represents everything that's good about IndyCar racing in terms of uh, ladder system drivers, uh, making it into the into the probably one of the best arenas there is to race in the world, and uh, mm-hmm. great degree of respect for who he is. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Thank you, David. Thank you. Our next question online comes from Tony Duciano from NBCSports.com. Please go ahead. Hi, Mike. Um, how difficult is Sonoma of a track to chase in terms of uh, it being so low grip? Scott kind of touched on that in a teleconference call last week. Being what? I'm sorry to get all of that, Tony. Whoa. Oh, sorry. Um, it's a very low grip track, so how do you guys okay. kind of chase that from a setup standpoint so you don't go down the uh, wrong point? Yeah, no, I, he's right. Uh, it is a very low grip circuit, and... Uh, uh, for the ultimate lap time, number one, uh, the tires stay underneath you for a full run, but uh, uh, speed is not your friend there for a length of time on the tires, either reds or blacks. Um, but what you do is, is you work pretty hard on them. You work really, really hard on the mechanical aspect of the car, um, and then try to balance it with the arrow. But uh, the mechanical part of the car, having all four tires work uh, with a full contact patch, there is uh, is the key to that. And then the second thing that does happen there is the track really changes. Uh, it's the, uh, the vineyard owner's friend, but the race driver's uh, uh, adversary, because the wind there comes from one direction in the morning and, uh, uh, and in the afternoon goes the other direction. And uh, there's a lot of grit and sand in the air, and I think that causes a lot of problems there, particularly in the afternoon when we race or even when we qualify. Uh, so you have to be cognizant of that and work hard on that. Oh, thanks. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Our next question online comes from Ben Johnson from Paddock Eye. Please go ahead. Hi, Mike. How are you doing? Um, yeah. Good, just to um, How... Sorry. Um, uh, oh, yeah. How... Um, how impressed have you been with Scott's approach this season with the new Honda engine? 
And how do you think that's going to work this weekend in Sonoma? Well, I've been impressed with Scott Dixon for a long time, uh, <laughs> which, uh, which, which, whatever he's done. But if you study his career, Ben, I, right. I would say there's five, maybe six legitimate uh, changes in the IndyCar formula, and uh, over his his career span, and he continues to run at the front. And anytime you have a formula change, which we're going to have again next year, uh, a driver has to step outside himself or herself and uh, realize that they've got to change their drive style pretty significantly if they're going to run at the front. And what we did this year was we changed to Honda. And that included the aero kit and the engine package. And uh, so Scott had to adapt himself once again uh, to a changing formula. And he still manages to be one of the best. Uh, so for us on the inside here at Chip Ganassi Racing, watching him and being up close to him, seeing what he does and the determination that he has to get the most out of the car every day, it's pretty special. Hey. Thanks, Amy. Yeah. Cheers. Thank you. Thank you. Our next question online comes from Edmund Jenks from Motorsports Journal. Please go ahead. Hi, Mike. Um, you know, again, Tony touched on the uh, low grip of the track, but uh, the other thing that kind of plays into this is that Firestone loves to play with the compounds and change them up. And uh, it's my understanding from also previous conference calls that that has a significant, uh, say, new wrinkle to what's going to go on this next weekend. What do you see or what have you learned uh, about the change in the nature of the uh, compounds of the tires and what are you, um, I guess, anticipating? Um, Edmund, we see that all the time. Uh, and it uh, sometimes throws us for a loop and sometimes uh, we get it right. Um, we had the technical data from Firestone and our engineers have gone through it pretty extensively. In fact, I was in a meeting about that earlier today. The... Uh, uh, we haven't run at Sonoma this year on this tire. We'll run there on uh, Thursday for the open test day for the first time, and uh, um, we'll work pretty hard to uh, work on two things. One is uh, understanding the mechanical aspect of the car, and the second one, understand the durability of the tire for a full run, because that's really the key to racing, IndyCar racing or any other kind, is to understand how track position uh, is created. Uh, and track position is created by a driver who's able to keep uh, the tires underneath him or her uh, for the full length of a run, not just for five to ten laps, uh, to create an ultimate lap time. And uh, and I and I think that's the key to success with uh, with fire with Firestone tires. The product in itself is uh, has been extraordinary for many many years. So uh, and it, it will continue to be that way. Um, and Sonoma is a terrific place, so it's a great combination. Since Firestone seems to be shifting things up, meaning that the uh, red tire of last year is the black tire of this year, do you see that as being an overall advantage from the two years, assuming all other things equal? Mm, I uh, I think I'd be able to answer that question maybe on Friday afternoon. <laughs> I'm really sure. I'll be very honest thanks, thanks. about it. Uh, we, 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 we try really, really hard not to, to 
box ourselves in with uh, preconceived notions about what's going to happen with the setup before we get there. <laughs> Thank you, Mike, and well understood. Okay, thanks, Edmund. <laughs> Thank you. Our next question comes from Rico Ramirez from Aria Grande. Please go ahead. Yes, um, my question is, uh, we saw a Honda team testing um, before the season here in Sonoma. How are you planning to use that, adv- uh, that test at your advantage in the final race uh, for Honda? How are we planning to use the open test? Is that, was that Yes. Okay. Yeah. How is that going to help you to win the championship next uh, week after testing in Sonoma previously? Because yeah, Chevy hasn't yeah. done that. Yeah, no, I know that. I, Penske was out there last week, and they and that, that sounds like they had a good good test out there. Uh, we haven't actually been on the racetrack on this tire yet this year. Um, so uh, we'll we'll use Thursday as a full evaluation, like we would any other open test and uh, or private test for that matter. And uh, um, come Friday morning when everybody's there officially, um, I think we'll be uh, in good stead to to run well there. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for the question. At this time, I see we have no questions in queue. Okay, uh, and since we have no more questions for Mike, we will thank him for his time, um, and thank you for joining us again today, and wish you and Scott Dixon the best luck at Sonoma. Thank you, Arnie. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, Mike. Uh, and we are now pleased to be joined by Tim Sindrick, the president of Team Penske. Uh, Tim, uh, in his tenure at Team Penske, has led the team to five IndyCar titles in 2000 and 2001 with Gilles DeFerrin. 2006 with Sam Hornish Jr., 2014 with Will Power, and 2016 with Simon Pagano. Uh, the team's also won six Indianapolis 500s, most recently with Juan Pablo Montoya in 2015. Tim is also the race strategist for Joseph Newgarden, the current Verizon IndyCar Series championship point leader and uh, one of the seven drivers eligible for the championship. Uh, for the 12th straight year, the Verizon IndyCar Series championship will be decided in the final race of the season. Obviously, Tim Joseph leads by three points over Scott Dixon, uh, but he has uh, three other teammates in the mix as well. What does that say about Team Penske that all four of your drivers are in contention for the title? Yeah, thanks, Arnie. Thanks for having me. Um, yeah, certainly going into the last race where you have where multiple opportunities. We've been there before. Um, sometimes we've capitalized, sometimes we haven't. But um, it's, it certainly shows that kind of the depth of our organization and, and really – yeah, how hard our guys compete um, with each other and, and with everyone else. So yeah, we're fortunate to be in that position for sure. But um, uh, yeah, as you know, with, with double points, a lot of different, a lot of different things can happen there at Sonoma. All right, you, you did mention that you've been there before. The team has had a driver in contention for ten of the last eleven years that uh, the series has gone down to the finale. So you've been in this position before, specifically with Will and Elio. Uh, what approach do you bring to a driver like Joseph, who's in this position for the first time, both with the team and in his career? Well, I think we try and go about it business as usual. Um, certainly, he's someone that's shown speed there at Sonoma. Uh, he's yeah, he hasn't he hasn't won the race there yet, but um, he's he's been knocking on the door. And I, I think to do to do much differently in terms of our approach or whatever else might might not be the right thing to 
might not be the right thing to do. And I, I think, as Mike alluded to, um, you have to you have to take one day at a time there um, and try and understand really what your what your realistic situation is come Sunday. And finally, before the season started, you chose to move to Joseph's car to help him with his uh, adaptation to the team. When you did it, did you envision that he'd be a guy who'd win four wins uh, or four races and be in position to win a title right out of the gate? Well, it was something that we looked at as a team collectively. It wasn't necessarily you know my decision to to, to stay or move or, or what have you. You know, I spent years and years with with Elio, and uh, you know the, the team asked me to to move and, and look after Will Power after I don't know eleven years or so with with Elio, and uh, you know we had some successes and and build a, a great relationship there as I as I did with Will and it's always difficult when kind of your your comfort zone is is what you know um but as we as we I think it's pretty well documented that when when Simon came across uh to the team in his first season he he finished 11th with our organization which honestly we felt as though we we let him down and um you know we we had the opportunity to bring Joseph on on board and as Mike said, he's he's kind of the next generation in, in IndyCar, or one of them. And for us, we didn't want to go through the same process we did before. And, and I'm not saying that in terms of I would be the difference, but I think the way we looked at it is is that we felt as though Will's team was, was the most experienced in virtually every position. And uh, the team in which... Joseph was coming into it was a bit of a different situation because Simon came into a completely new team that didn't exist, whereas Joseph came into a team that that had existed under Montoya. Um, but we felt like if if I were in that pit, at least if things weren't going as as we I guess expected them to or or needed them to, that me being there firsthand was going to be the biggest advantage. It wasn't really a matter of who was calling his strategy or what have you. It was more about um, just understanding. Uh, the process in which we needed to go to make things better for him would be more immediate, obviously, with the position that I'm in. So, um, yeah, we've, we've continued to, to build on our, our relationship and, and build on trying to understand what, what Joseph needs to be successful, and I, I think that momentum's built throughout the year. All right. Richard, let's open up for questions for Tim Sindrick. Thank you. Again, for any questions on the line, that's star than one. Our first question comes from it. David Mouser for Motorsport.com. Please go ahead. Uh, hi, Tim. Congratulations uh, for getting this far with uh, a driver that's new uh, to the team. Uh, I wanted to ask about your uh, pit lane uh, assignments. Uh, you're going to be uh, right behind uh, Mike Hull, you know, the, the main enemy, if you like, uh, as far as the championship is concerned. Uh, it's is there uh, an advantage or a disadvantage for, from your point of view in being able to see what uh, Mike's doing with the number nine car? Uh, or would you rather, you know, be able to keep what you're doing with the number two car uh, separate, uh, away from his eyes? Yeah, I think it all depends on where you're running that particular day. But I, honestly, I'm not sure if it makes a whole lot of difference because I, I, I think you know, in either case, you can't hide from, we can't hide from each other. Um, so I, I think that, you know, where we are, you know, hopefully, you know, it'll certainly be uh, no different than any other time we've, we've raced against each other. It's, it's something that, um, you know, that competitiveness and, and the things that we, 
we've done throughout the years uh, competing and the way in which we compete we enjoy um you know we enjoy the competition and and uh you know it's not not only Joseph that's in contention yeah you know, I feel as though you know Elio and and Simon uh, they're in a position where if, if they win that race I think they've got a really good shot at uh at the championship as well so it's it's really more than than Joseph and where he's pitted relative to to Scott I I think that uh you know, as we go forward, as I said, you really can't hide from each other. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Our next question online comes from Bruce Martin from Auto Week Magazine. Please go ahead. Hi, Sam. How are you? Hey, Bruce. What's up? Uh, I'm going to take a different spin on the question I asked Mike. Uh, he's got one driver going against four that you have going in the championship. How is that a major advantage in uh, your quest? Because I know a lot of times people try to make a bigger deal about the numbers than what necessarily is. So what is the real outlook from your point of view of having four drivers eligible to their one? Yeah, well, I think if it wasn't Scott Dixon, I would say that, uh, that our odds are really good. But <laughs> when you look at the fact that, uh, if Scott's been there, done that, and, and executed really more than all of our guys combined, I would, I would think I'd have to do the math. But, um, you know, he's, he's been the guy to beat when it comes to championships. He's, he's been solid everywhere. You, you don't see him make any mistakes. He's, he's as solid as they come. And essentially, when you look at a three point advantage and, and the way the point structure is, you, you'd essentially say he and, he and Joseph are tied aside from, okay, one beats the other one. But, um, yeah, I, I feel as though uh, our guys are are um, maybe a bit more complex in terms of the situation we're in. I, I wouldn't trade it, but at the same time, it's pretty simple from his perspective. He has four cars out there, but he, he has one that they really need to focus on, and, and you can put all your energy into that. Um, but it's it, it has a lot more to do with, in our minds, how we how we ensure that our guys are able to race for the championship and have a, a fair shot at it, but at the same time we keep in mind that we need to ensure that one of those guys uh, is able to, to end up on the top step at the end of the day. So um, again, it's it's probably not a, a simple answer to your question, but um, you know certainly like the fact that you know at least three of our guys have a, a really good shot and, and mathematically four, but. I, I just wish it was somebody else we were racing against in terms of when you look at the statistics and, and you look at, uh, you know, the the way in which he approaches things, he, he's, he's solid as they come. All right. Thank you and good luck. Thank you. Thank you. Our next question online comes from David Caldwell from New York Times. Please go ahead, David. Hi, Tim. Um, I um I did want to ask you about Joseph New, Newgarden. Um, I asked, obviously, asked Michael about this earlier, but um, you knew what you were. I guess you knew what you were getting when you when you hired him. But how has he? How has he been different? I guess than than the person that you hired, or, or in what ways has he has he surprised you, or or uh, been been a change from from what you thought you were might have been getting? Yeah, that's a good question because honestly. I didn't really know Joseph very well, aside from afar, um, really until he came into our team and he had shown us that obviously he was, he was quick in all the, the latter series. Um, he'd shown us he was a winner. He showed us really after the accident that he had in Texas, um, how quickly he came back from that, 
what his toughness was. Um, but, mm-hmm. but Joseph is a person. We, we only knew him really as much as, as much as maybe a lot of people on this call do. And a lot of people on this call probably knew him a lot better than we did. Um, mm-hmm. but throughout the year, I, I think the thing that, uh, you know, has been remarkable to me is, is his poise. Um, I really haven't, haven't seen him at the point of, you know, panic or, or I guess I should say he controls his emotions very well. And, you know, I, I see that quality in a lot of really successful drivers. And I think if you look at NASCAR, I think Jimmy Johnson is really the guy that you would you would say is, is the epitome of, of cool and, and collected. And he's he's shown that uh, he's able to keep it under control under the most difficult circumstances. And, and Joseph is, although very outspoken and very outgoing, um, he's quite humble at the end of the day. And... I think that that takes him a long way. It, it he's he's able to to look at himself and he's he's hard on himself at the right times and he's he's very honest with himself and those around him. And I think when you have that kind of atmosphere, you, you typically succeed at a quicker rate um, because it's not a matter of of defining where the issues are, it's or debating them. It's a matter of of how to fix them. And mm-hmm. it's, it's been a pleasure working with him on those those fronts, and I, I think he and I and, and really the, that whole group are, are very honest with each other in terms of where we think we need to improve. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Our next question online comes from Tony. Please go ahead. That seems mean to me. Um, hi, Tim. How are you? Hey, Tony. Um, I got a question for you about Will. Um, obviously, he moved off his box this year, but how would you think he goes into this week with his psyche? Because he's, you know, not really out of the championship, but he's not as close as the other guys either. You've been with him both winning a championship and when he's lost a couple. How do you think his mentality will be for the weekend, and kind of what role do you think he'll play in the, in the proceedings? Well, I, I think he'll he'll probably go into it a, a bit more relaxed than other years because I, I think he's he's certainly got nothing to lose. Um, yeah, you know, I, I think he knows realistically that, uh, it would have to be a, a really, really odd day in, in IndyCar racing for, for him to have a realistic shot at the, at the championship. So I, I think he understands that. Um, obviously he's, he'd, he'd rather it be a different way. You know, he'd rather be in, in the fight overall. Um, but I, I do think he understands how important it is to the team and he understands uh, that he's been in that position before and, and I'm sure he'll be in that position again. But, um, yeah, it's unfortunate because I, I think he, he fought his way throughout the year to get back in that position and, and he just finally got to that and then things didn't go the right way and fell back out of that realistic opportunity. So I think he's, he's obviously bummed about that. But, um, yeah, I, I think that he'll be, he'll be doing everything he can to win the race. Well, thanks. Thank you. Thank you. Our next question comes from Jim Ello from Indianapolis Star. Please go ahead. Hi, Mr. Cindric. Thanks for joining us. Hey, Jim. Um, you just recently, Elio kind of mentioned um, having a handshake agreement with you and Roger about about his future, and I don't know if you if you can or want to provide any insight into that, but if you could just maybe talk about how Elio has handled this year, sort of balancing the speculation about all of his future while you know trying to win his his first championship. Yeah, and I, I think he's always been a professional, and he, he's a guy that uh, there's a reason why he's he's got the longest tenure with our organization and, and with Roger. Um, you know, he's he, he defined 
team player really at the end of the day he's he's been through some good times and some bad times you know we've we've supported him he's supported us and vice versa and you know me personally I've been through a lot with him and uh you know I I couldn't ask for a better guy to work with so uh when you look at it it's always amazing that um you know we we always tell him uh, you know he, he really hasn't he's still you know in a lot of ways still a 14 year old kid um and you know as he continues to you know grow a year older at a time he still has the pace and he's he's one of those guys that i, I think he gives hope to to all the other drivers around him that um you know you can you can still be competitive and, and still be there you know when you get into your 40s and and yeah he's he's always been a pleasure to work with he wears it on his sleeve some days um but i i know how focused he is on on yeah being that close to the championship and he's been there many times you know when you look at the history of how many times he's he's gone into the final race um with the opportunity to win a championship and he's he's there again this year and and uh you know it'd be a no better story than than uh, Elio winning his championship this year and thank you very much and good luck this weekend thank you appreciate it thank you our next question comes from Ben Johnson from Paddock Eye. Please go ahead. Hi, Tim. How are you doing? Hi, Ben. Um, have you talked to the drivers at all about this weekend? And have you issued with, have you issued any instructions to them at all? Or is it just a case, go out and race and don't, don't bring the cars back in bits? <laughs> yeah, well, that's the simple thing to say for sure. Um, you know, we, we've, we've been there and typically there, you know, I, I think, if you look back, um, you know, a couple of years ago where Will and Juan got into each other and, and it wasn't as simple as, hey, this, this one guy is trying to pass another guy in a typical racing situation. I, I think they both surprised each other on a restart in terms of how that all played out. So it, it was just unfortunate circumstances in a lot of ways. And you look at both of them and you go, okay, that wasn't supposed to happen, but it's hard to place blame on either one with, with how it, how it played out that particular day. But, um, Answer to your question is, I think it really has to do a lot with with how the weekend goes. Um, but we have to be realistic with each other um, once Sunday starts, and how it looks at the beginning of the race might be different than how it looks at the end of the race. You know, especially at Sonoma, where you're typically making three pit stops and things are are somewhat wide open as far as when the cautions fall and with this closed pit business, it, uh, it usually throws things in a, in a whole different way. Um, different from what it looked like, you know, prior to a caution coming out in opportune or inopportune time. So, you know, for us, I think the message is, hey, let, let's be sure that, that Team Penske does its best to, to execute. And if Scott goes out there and sits on the pole and wins the race, hey, uh, you got to hand it to him. Um, you know, he deserves it, and you have to look at each other and say, you know what, we weren't good enough throughout the year. Um, right. But you want to, you would much rather be in that position than, than look at each other and say, what do we do that for? Great. Thanks very much, and best of luck this weekend. Thank you. Appreciate it. Our next question comes from Edmund. Please go ahead. Uh, hi, Tim. Um, you know, people uh, ask drivers, you know, what they think about the different tracks. In fact, uh, uh, Scott Dixon mentioned that uh, Sonoma is probably one of the toughest circuits to, to get right. And... They ask the drivers this because they're the ones that happen to experience the track. But, you know, the, the team captain also 
has their view of the different tracks. Uh, what is your view of Sonoma, and um, what do you see that you have to bring to the party for the driver when uh, when the setup comes? Yeah, I mean, for me, it's it's. Uh, I'm not the guy that makes the cars go fast. Um, I'm pretty distant from that, honestly. Um, the race engineers, they they spend their time getting getting everything right, and I guess my my role is really to have a veto vote <laughs> on what they want to do, or or try and make whatever they want to do uh, a reality in in some ways, or, or help the team execute. That's really what my role is. So, um, the Sonoma itself is is unique, obviously not only in the layout. But also with with the way that the track conditions change um, throughout the day, even um, in terms of ambient, but also the way in which the wind works, kind of through almost through a valley. So um, the car can can change quite a lot, and really all that changed is is the conditions, and not really the setup on the car. So it's it's very easy to kind of lose yourself there. So you have to the ones that have experience there typically um, are have a more predictable weekend in terms of the car's performance. Um, but when you look at a race in which there's pretty big fuel windows, um, you know, depending on your economy and, and how hard you run and, and how you race, uh, you really have to try and understand what, what your risk and reward is. Um, during the race itself, um, you know, you've seen it many times there where, where the, the guy that's the fastest car doesn't necessarily win. So, I think you have to be guarded on that and understand the situation that you're in at the time. Um, so uh, I guess Sonoma, to you, given a team leader, is more um, just being in the process as opposed to how difficult it might be as opposed to other tracks. Mm-hmm. I guess I don't really understand the question. I, I think it's, it's a difficult place, uh, but it's, it's unique in itself, so it's it's hard to relate it to, to any other type of track. Um, but as a permanent road circuit, it's, it's typically difficult to pass. Um, and it's, it's, it's a high-risk maneuver most of the time when, when you do go to pass. So you have to look at the race and, and almost play it backwards in some ways. Um, but in other ways, you, you have to try and understand really who you're racing and when you're racing them. So it's, it's strategic for sure, uh, but sometimes... At that particular event, because it is advantageous a lot of times to to go further or to to save fuel, um, but sometimes in doing that you, you get caught out by by a caution that then puts you back in the middle of the field, which obviously puts you at higher risk and and less odds of winning. So it's it's a difficult one, and and not everything there is under your control, or you don't control your own destiny as as much as maybe you do it at some of the ovals. Well, Godspeed and have a great run. Thank you. Appreciate the time. Thank you. Our next question comes from Joey Barnes from Motorsports. Uh, Motorsports Tribune, please go ahead. Hey, Tim. How you doing today? Hey, I'm good. I'm good. How are you? Doing all right. Um, so you've been on both sides of the championship equation in the past with Will. This is Joseph's first. I just get you to kind of go a little bit deeper than you did earlier about how you're navigating him or managing him through this process, uh, especially this weekend, because I know that it's going to be pretty emotional for him. Yeah, I, I think I think it is, but, uh, you know, I, I think everybody reacts to it different. And I think if we can go through, we had a good test there this past week. So I think we were able to at least 
take things in or out of our equation as far as what our toolbox is um, from a technical perspective, how we approach the weekend. Um, by the time Thursday is over, we will run probably another six hours of testing on Thursday. Um, and it should give us somewhat relativity between the other competitors. And then with the knockout qualifying and so forth, you, you can still sometimes have a guy with the fastest car not quite make it. So um, I think the approach with, with him is really, I don't know how else to say it, but other than business as usual. And you try and go through each session and, and build on the last session. And it's, it's just typically what he responds to. And if things don't work out well and, and we don't end up toward the front, uh, the guy's really, really good at, at making the most out of a situation. Um, and you, you see how determined he is. And, you know, I, I think he's also a, a driver that understands that this isn't his last chance. This, this isn't the only chance he's going to have at a championship. That, that kid's going to going to be there every year in the fight. And he's, he's well-rounded when you look at the, the different tracks that we run on. I can't say that there's there's one of those particular tracks that's necessarily a weakness, which isn't something that I really knew or understood before the year. I, I think that he dominated Iowa last year, and you saw where he was quick at, at certain places, but it was difficult in, in the team that, that he was in in terms of uh, how he related to, to his teammates because uh, there typically wasn't a season-long teammate. Sometimes they, they varied, so it was difficult to compare. Um, but now that we've seen him with our guys and, and the guys who have been with us for a while. Uh, he, he he typically doesn't have a weakness aside from, you know, you, I guess you could look at it and say, well, he hasn't had a pole yet this year. Um, and that, that's something that, uh, you know, I, I know he's had the fastest car in practice, and for whatever reason, you know, we haven't been able to, to capitalize in, in P1. We've been on the front row a few times, but uh, I would say that, that that's something that, it would go a long way for, for where we start the race. I think he's qualified second there and third there um, in the past two or three years. So he's shown the speed. Um, so I, I know he's confident in terms of his capability, and, and uh, he also understands that a lot of different things can play out at that event. And then and then lastly, um, you know, being with Will through this process before and now being with Joseph through this process, I mean, is there a lot of characteristics that they share? Are they completely different going through this championship process, or you know, how do they, how do they stack up with each other? Well, I, I guess it's difficult to answer the question without having been through the final race with Joseph. Um, but throughout the year, I, I think that they're both very competitive. They're they're very different people in terms of obviously their personalities. You know, you have you have one that's you know quite outspoken. They're almost opposites in some ways. Um, you know, depending on the situation, I, I think that, uh, you know, Joseph is a, a very outgoing guy and he's, he's a guy that's, uh, you know, very engaging to the media in, in some ways. And, and Will is a very technical guy and one that's very focused on, you know, the racetrack and what's going on with this particular car. And I, I think that during the race himself, uh, if you listen to our radio, there's not a lot to listen to. You know, both of them are, are pretty much very, Kind of trusting in in their approach, and uh, you know they they approach it with whatever whatever situation they they're given, they respond to it. And um, I, I guess that they're from a personality standpoint, yeah, they're they're quite a bit different. Um, when when things don't don't go well, I think they they both respond to it sometimes in a different way. You've, you've seen where 
where Will's quite emotional sometimes. And, you know, my job has been to, to get him back in the game. And then there's other times where things go wrong and, and Will's quite calm and collected and understands the next, the next step and, and is on to the next lap. Um, Joseph, I'll, I'll say, is, is, is pretty, at this point in time, it's, I think it's been very level-headed and, and very matter-of-fact, you know, good or bad. So, um, I, I don't know if that answers your question, but I tried. <laughs> Uh, no, absolutely. Thank you, and best of luck this weekend. Thank you. And our final question comes from Steve Wittich from Trackside Online. Please go ahead. Hey, Tim, how are you? Hey, Steve. Um, well, thanks. Good. Um, kind of following up what uh, Joey just asked you, obviously Joseph made a mistake at Watkins Glen. Um, have you had to deal with that differently with him than you have with Will when he's made mistakes in championship contention before, or does Will have someone, or does Joseph have someone, you know, it's probably hard in the team when the other guys are all in championship contention. He doesn't really have anyone to talk to, does he? Um, well, I, I hope that he, I hope that he feels that he can talk to any of us. Um, you know, I, I think that the drivers themselves have all been through different scenarios. Uh, Joseph may not have been in an IndyCar championship race uh, to this extent or this close to it, but he's obviously shown that, that he can handle the pressure at different levels. So, you know, to be an Indy Lights champion and some of the other things that he's done, uh, he understands what it is to win a championship, and you just keep going up those, those different stages. I think that uh, you know certainly the, the circumstances there at, at Watkins Glen were some were under our control and some weren't. Um, you know, you can't control the fact that there's somebody behind him. Um, if he doesn't get hit from behind there. We go on and, and finish the race pretty much where we were running because the, the extent of the damage that we had really had to do more with the, the car hitting us from behind than uh, than what occurred before that. So um, not that that was anybody's fault behind us. It was just part of the circumstances. Uh, but Joseph, throughout that process, you know, if he was if he was over the top upset about it, you know, he's not pushing the button to tell us. Um, you know, he's he's uh just going on about trying to make the most of it, and and for us it was it was really unfortunate. But at the same time, the good news was we still control our own destiny in terms of uh, leading the points at the end of that race. Perfect. Thanks. Good luck. All right, guys. Thanks. At this time, we have no questions in queue. All right, and seeing as we have no more questions for Tim, we will thank him for joining us today, and wish him and. Uh, all of Team Penske, the best of luck at Sonoma. Thanks, Arnie, and thanks for everyone for taking the time to call in. All right, thanks, Tim. That will wrap up today's IndyCar Media Teleconference. This teleconference will be available on a digital tape replay approximately one hour after the conclusion of today's call. To access the system, participants will need to dial 888-843-8996 and enter the passcode 444-16562. A transcript and MP3 audio of today's call will be available on IndyCar's media website at media.indycar.com. Thank you, everybody, for joining us today. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. This concludes today's conference. Thank you for participating. You may now disconnect.